Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Claire. And welcome to My, My Mate, Mate Reckons, Reckons, the show where we teach you and each other about whatever we want to know about. About whatever we're curious about. I'm not sure we do fucking swear much. We have a little bit of a swear. So, pardon us. And we also <laughs> talk about sex sometimes. Not really this episode. We do speak about animals with giant genitalia. So, <laughs> yes. we'll leave that there. And a little bit of a mention about domestic violence. Indeed. Claire Bear, what's going on in your life? What should people do? Have you, perchance, written an amazing novel lately? <laughs> oh, thanks for saying that, David. No I did worries. it. It's out. It's in the world. It's called It's Been a Pleasure Knowing You, Blake. And you should go and buy a copy from an indie bookstore. But, David, I want to talk about that cool thing that you've got happening, your new project. Please tell me all about it. I've got a separate blog and a separate podcast where I talk He's about... cheating on also, me. I'm cheating on you with another podcast by myself. I sit at a microphone by myself and talk. It's very good. We talk about all sorts of things, but a lot about what it means to be a man in the 21st century. We talk about porn. We talk about fatherhood. We talk about depression. We talk about all the fun Things. Where can people find it, Dave? They can find it in the links in the episode description below or just type in David Burton Podcast into your favourite podcast provider. Do it. Double double the Dave in a week? Ugh, oh, what more could you want? Double D? Get out of here. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Hey Claire Bear. Hello David. We're back for another week and this week I'm excited. You're always excited. But I'm especially excited by this week because I'm hoping by the end of this week <laughs> that you will teach me how to be cool. Because you gave me a very um, broad and wide spread. Widespread? <laughs> <laughs> wide topic. I didn't sexually harass you. Um, <laughs> I chucked a spready. Gave you a wide on. <laughs> gave you a wide spready of a subject. Because you wanted to know about. This is what you said. I want to know about jazz, or if that's too big, tell me about Miles Davis. That's all, because so I I understand jazz in the like. I understand the appeal of jazz in the. I understand jazz <laughs> as the. African American <laughs> trumpet playing musicians that you are. Indeed. I get it, cats. I'm totally up with it. Dude. I've watched La La Land. I understand. So I know it. I'm basically Ryan Gosling, constantly frustrated by everyone else's inferior taste in music and constantly self satisfied by my own. No, I um I understand jazz. In the Michael Bublé, like Nora Jones oh, of the yes, sense, like yes, Bogan yes. jazz. Yes, white people jazz. White people jazz, although I love my Nina Simone. I love yes. my Ella Fitzgerald. I love my, you know, I, I love that era. But yeah. then there's a particular precipice that I identify as, as the Miles Davis line. Yes. Which is like... I, serious jazz. Serious. And like, I get this is cool. Yes. But... It's also very alienating and feels inaccessible yes, to me. Yeah, sure, sure. So I just want you to solve that problem for me. <laughs> Thank you, go. Great. Excellent. Okay. So um, I I was the same as you, I guess, really, to be like, oh, yeah, I love listening to a, a lot of different kinds of music. I feel like I get what jazz is. And then now that I've done this deep dive, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, Whitey. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> you have no idea. Sit down, Whitey. Sit down, Whitey. Great. Um, 
Which should be the actual <laughs> the theme for 2020, really, shouldn't it be? It's also the title of your jazz album. <laughs> Sit, Sit down, Marty. <laughs> I think that'd be great. I'd listen to that. Okay, so the National Museum of American History. This Ugh. is a quote from a video. <laughs> <laughs> great. David, when you ask so, me to do something, yeah, I'm going to do it properly. Um, yeah, okay. This is what is a quote in that in terms of what jazz is. This is a quote from that video that I watched. Jazz is like love. Oh. It's something we recognize when we encounter it. It's very hard to define. It's fun to hear. It's complex. It's basically a life force. Oh, okay. So well, is that clear? That's really <laughs> fucking clear. It's basically a life force? It's basically a life force. What it's I realize is the way that people who love jazz talk about jazz and their favorite jazz albums, it is like a deep affinity. I must admit that... I can't ever, like, I I am a closeted, not so closeted, like, country music fan of some strands of country music. But I would never describe country music as a life force. No. I would never describe pop music as a life force. I don't know, Beyonce or Lizzo? Well, Beyonce is pop. No, Lizzo is pop. Yeah, no, they are life forces, I yeah. guess. And they are love, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it's also how you talk about. Po- I mean, we talked about E. E. Cummings a few episodes ago. Like it's also so it's very poetic. Yeah. So okay. Very esoteric. Jazz is a musical form, David. Great, okay, thank that you. That is often improvisational. Jesus, can you spell it's this out? Developed can you hold my hand more? by African Americans and influenced by both European harmonic structure and African rhythms. It was developed. Partially, these are its like kind of influences at the time, ragtime and blues. Yep. And it's all, it's characterized by the fact that it's like syncopated rhythms, polyphonic ensemble playing, various degrees of improvisation, often deliberate de- deviations of pitch. That's like the technical thing. So it's very like 20th century. Yes. It is not before 20th century. So New century. Orleans was a river port in the early 20th century. Yeah. Um, It's a centre of entertainment and a blend of like different kind of musics was happening there because all of the different kinds of people who were coming to New Orleans at the time. Sure. So what they say or where they believe jazz came from is like a combination of slave songs, of like spirituals, um, because of the way that um, African-American churches use call and response. Um, and that it is, that church is a community experience, um, and part and part of that praise and worship is that you are in communication with God. You're in communication with your preacher. Right. Um, so they they're like that's where that's how jazz feels because it's a conversation and it's often people playing and responding to each other. It's often improv- you don't write them down. Yeah. It's not musical it's in ecstatic. that way. It's very It's very evangelical. It exactly. goes beyond the normal everyday. Yeah. Um, so the hallmark of jazz is improvisation, which is creating music on the spot with a sense of urgent rhythm, which is what you just said, David. You are a jazz musician. Great. So should I give you an urgent rhythm and shall you improvise over the top? You ready? Go. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> Great. Great. That's it. our theme our song. Our new jazz album will be Thank you, soon. Will Hughes, for your brilliantly composed theme song. Claire and I have just rewritten it. You're welcome. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it's not enti- it's never like really entirely compl- composed. It's never really predetermined. It is musicians at the peak of their craft hanging out together, finding your kind of your group that you vibe with, yep. and that you can make great work with. It's kind of 
the, the, that you the, think the, is the great gem work. that you think is great work. This is one of those art forms that it's like the line is so fine between you being an amazing group of people mm. who create amazing music or you being a bunch of fucking wankers who you think are br- yes. <laughs> you think yourselves yeah, are brilliant. Yeah, you're like, we're, we're the best. We're the, but we're everyone the else is thing. like, yeah. you're fucking... The line is so fine in some art forms for that. Yes. So when um, Louis Armstrong was asked to describe what swing and, like, jazz meant, he said... If you have to ask, you'll never know. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. That's good. This was another quote from that National um, Museum video I watched. Jazz expresses core American values, freedom, risk-taking, cultural diversity, innovation, creative co- collaboration, and democracy. Questionable. Now, in that, that political <laughs> yeah, system. Democracy climate, doesn't exist. Everybody gets a vote. Also problematic a, a right question. now. And in a good jazz band, everyone gets a voice. Everybody gets showcased. So it's That's about, a lovely like, idea. This is the skill of is everyone that involved. Is fair for America to just claim it as their own? Pretty much, you I reckon. think it is theirs. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. That's where it began. As in, this is the great American songbook and it's based in yes. jazz. Yeah, okay. So the video I watched ended with this quote. Jazz is America and America is jazz. Yeah. So it's a deep affinity and a deep love. I guess. Jazz is the like basis of most R&B and like rock sure. and roll and it's kind of the evolution of where music like the music that we listen to came from what was happening in jazz. The top 10 um jazz artists. Okay. Number 1 is Miles Davis. Great. 2 Louis Armstrong. Beautiful. Duke Ellington. Yeah. John Coltrane. Yeah. Ella Fitzgerald. How, how many did we have to get to before Ten. we got a number? Before we got a woman? Beg your pardon? Uh, five, so yeah. not too bad. Uh, Charlie Parker, Billie Holiday, Thelonious Monk, Bill Evans, Oscar Peterson. So I feel like I knew some, like I, know, I knew like the majority of those of names. Those, yeah. But still not enough to be like, here is their back catalogue, here yeah, is yeah. their songs. Okay, so now we're diving into Miles Davis. Okay, because he's the number one dude. He's the number one dude. Who people are like, he did the big breakthrough. Yes. So I love this story. There's okay. a story that Miles <laughs> reluctantly agreed to attend an awards dinner at the Reagan White House back in 1987. It was uncharacteristic, but he went with a friend. So he's sitting at a table with a woman who he describes as a politician's wife when she asks him um, an apparently well-meant question about America's neglect of jazz. And he says, Miles says, jazz is ignored here because the white man likes to win everything. The woman was rattled and asks him, well, what have you done that's so important in your life? And Miles Davis said, well, I've changed music five or six times. (laughs) And the thing that is like that I've now have a resounding answer answer for is everyone's like, that's true. Yeah, right. He did. And note that he didn't say I've changed jazz five or six times. Changed just music. He changed music. I changed yeah, music right. five or six times. Yeah, right. So Do this you think guy... by the time we're his age we'll be able to say, we've changed podcasting <laughs> five or six times? Yes, David. It's about time we revolutionize and innovate this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Let's just turn it into a soundscape. <laughs> Fine, we know what binaural beats are now, we so do. we can do a binaural I'll do beat the pitch, podcast. you do the ocean wave sound. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Love it. Excellent. Everyone okay? Everyone relax? Fantastic. Um, so, Miles Davis is born in 1926 in Illinois. His dad is a super successful dental surgeon, 
And okay. his mum is a very stylish um, musician. And when he was little, he learned to play the trumpet because one of his dad's drinking buddies played and um, he played it all through school and he loved it. He's very good. He's very naturally talented Mm. at the trumpet. He's excellent. In 1944, he's 18 and Miles Davis hears for the first time modern jazz. Um, And he says, this is the moment that changed my life. Um, um, Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie were playing in St. Louis as members of Billy Eckstein's band. And one of Billy Eckstein's band members, um, trumpeters, was sick. And someone was like, there's this kid named Miles. He's really talented. Get him in his third trumpet. I am waiting. For Joanna Murray Smith or David Williamson <laughs> to be like this, to this be guy. sick one day and be <laughs> hey, like, I can't do another main we stage. A, we need a main stage play. Are you ready? <laughs> you ready? You got one in the drawer, and I'll be like, sure. And here's my trumpet. <laughs> and then I'll be a world famous playwright. That's how it works. That isn't is it? how it works. So he falls in love with this music. He goes back home and he's like, Mum and Dad, I want to go on the road. I want to play jazz. I want to play with these people. And his parents are like, well, Miles, how about you, like, train? How about you study? How about, like, you go to get a degree? So he applies to Juilliard. He gets in. Oh, wow, which would have been huge at the time. Huge. Um, moves to America, like, moves to New York, is studying at Juilliard. And um, where he would study in the daytime, and then at nighttime he would go and play in these like city jazz clubs yeah, right. and improve his skills. And in 1945, so a year later, mm. he makes his recording debut backing the blues singer Rubber Legs Williams. Oh, so he's beautiful. like good enough that people are like, yeah, Just play with in, me and get him in, in get him the in studio. As a session musician. So then he is nailing it, and so he quits Juilliard. Right. Um, and he says, up at Juilliard, I played in the symphony, two notes, bop, bop, every 90 bars. So I said, let me out of here. And then I left. In his autobiography, he talks about how bored he was at school because he's already playing with, like, the greats, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Charlie Parker. And he talked about how white and racist Juilliard sure. was, and that's the opposite of the experience he's having by playing jazz in these clubs. Yeah. So he leaves. Um, by this point, he's now like living with Charlie Parker. They are making work, and people are working out that he is a musical fucking guru. Mm. Um, the, they're making music together. And then in 1947, so a few years later, he then records his own album, first album, and he's the Bertha lead cool. on it. No, Bertha not Blue, yet. no? Not yet. Kind of Blue yeah. is the one he's most known for. Yeah, okay. Um, so he makes albums his whole life, Dave. And yeah. he's always inspired by which the comment about like being able to change music yeah, yeah, yeah. is because he's just receptive to what's going on and he responds to what's going on and is inspired by what's going on. He just like goes in and records and makes and music. And he's obviously unafraid to just keep producing. Exactly. Things. Up until 1975 where he got sick and he took some time away to deal with kind of personal demons and some health issues. And um, he was fell off the radar, um, which then only made people more fucking hungry for him sure. to come back. Um, but in 1981, so that was in 1975, he took a break. God, but in 1981, he came back. He starts making like funk-inspired albums. And in 1985... His album, You're Under Arrest, had like him doing jazz covers of popular 
Yeah, like right. chart hits. Um, so he was just like constantly pushing himself and making new things. Yeah. He said um, about the idea of like doing retrospective albums or greatest his- hits albums or like greatest do great mm. miles do greatest hits tour. Um, when he talk about his old work, he would say it's more like warmed over turkey. <laughs> like it's not as good it's the second good. time. And then ironically, though, that's the way he felt. But in 1991, only weeks up oh, after Jesus. performing a career overview concert in Paris that featured old friends and collaborators from early as the 40s, he died from a brain aneurysm. Oh, I know. Um, uh, he, he's just a fascinating dude. Yeah, that's what, what, I've, a life. what I have realized. What an enormous life. He, his discography consists of at least 51 studio albums and 36 live albums. Um, Kind of Blue, which is his probably most largest album, is cited as being the best-selling jazz record of all time. In 2009, it was certified five times platinum um, and has sold over 5 million copies. Jesus. Isn't that wild? That's the one I know about, only because it's referenced and cited as like a line in the sand of like, this is when jazz was invented. And if you get this... better. If you get this, then it's a threshold. But the other kind of bits about his life that I found fascinating, in 1949, he was addicted to heroin. Mm -hmm. And he says, it's because I got bored and I was around cats, David. I was around cats that were hung. So like, people were fucking wasted. So... Can we just pause he for a minute on the, on the language? Cats I got bored and was around cats that were hung. So he was around felines with enormous cocks. Great. Great. Going, I need some heroin because shit ain't right. This is wrong. <laughs> this is weird. Yeah. Cats that were hung. And he wow. also says in his biography he got addicted to heroin, he thinks, because he was depressed at the time as well. Yeah. But he quit in 1954 as he got sick and tired of it. That's what he says. You know, you can get tired of anything, Davis told Rolling Stone in 1969. You can even get tired of being scared. This quote is fucking amazing. Oh, wow. I laid down and stared at the ceiling for 12 days and I cursed everybody I didn't like. I was kicking it the hard way. It was like having a bad case of the flu, only worse. I grew up everything I, I threw up everything I tried to eat. My pores opened up and I smelled like chicken soup. And then it was over. Wild. What? So that's an exorcism, pretty much. Some kind of spiritual like yeah. threshold that I'll he's just, gone. I'll quit heroin because I want to. I'm sick and tired of it. That's, that's the You clearly go like, right, that's the kind of drive he had. And the kind of brain. I mean, yeah. the brain is amazing. His brain is yeah. nuts, working on several levels. Yeah. He has a throat operation in 1957 to remove notes from his vocal cords. He was told not to raise his voice for 10 days so it could heal. But two days after he was told this, he shouted at someone, and it was either a record company owner or a booking agent, someone who, according to Davis, tried to convince me to go into a deal I didn't want to, and that's what permanently damaged his voice and gave it, apparently, that he has a like had a, ra- a notorious rasp that people know him yeah, as wow. having that kind of tone to his voice, and that's because he yelled at someone. Um, everyone who's like anyone who worked with him, he had like he would constantly go to underground bars. He wanted to know who the new talent was. He wanted to collaborate with everyone who he collaborated with. Essentially, became also very successful, mm. um, and had powerful like solo careers. And I found this detail fucking fascinating. So he only ever had two jobs in his life. 
he had a paper route when he was a little kid, mm. and then he was a musician. Yeah, holy shit. Isn't that amazing? amazing. Then I found an interview that um, talked about the fact that he was like deeply narcissistic and deeply abusive in his romantic relationships and was married uh, and abusive in his... There it is. In his marriages. And his first wife, Frances Davis said in an interview uh, with the New York Times, I actually left running for my life more than once. And apparently in Miles's autobiography or in his memoir, he owns up to it and says that was something I did. Um, so then I had a question around like, which I don't know the answer to, I don't, I don't think you'll have the answer to it, but that idea of like the genius art maker being a bit of a shit guy being a shit human. What's the reconciliation between oh. the person and the art? Well, as a cis white man, I do have the answer. <laughs> oh, and of I'm course. Like, men That's in general... silly me. Men I in general known. should be forgiven. <laughs> Listen, he tried his best. Yeah, it's really hard. Really, yeah. really tricky. It really is tricky. tricky. It's, um, yeah, I've got no answer for that. No, neither do I. But obviously his contribution can't be... Um, reckoned with although his personal life is certainly problematic the mm. question is then have you now gone and listened to his stuff and fallen in love with it or are you still finding it i weird? then went and listened to kind of blue and you go like oh this is beautiful music mm. or this is this is this is amazing music but i don't think i'm gonna it's not like i'm now listening to jazz i'm deep records. diving into jazz but the mute the jazz that i like is kind of because I think I sent you a couple of songs being like, this is beautiful. Mm. And it was like Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald singing old, beautiful oh, yeah. gorgeous, songs gorgeous, together. Gorgeous. That was, I'd found that and I was like, oh yeah, this is beautiful. These are people with amazing voices mm. and amazing artistry. Um, so yeah, so I haven't deep dove down. I think, I think would... anyone who loves jazz now is listening to this just being like these oh, assholes. Of course, of course. Um, but I think that there's also, because it's so improvisatory. Yeah. There's something to be said for being in New York, in New Orleans, in an underground bar with 30 other people and having a moment. And marvelling at someone just, yep. like, nailing their craft. And it's so live and so present. Yeah. Because I think that um, particularly... I just had this experience because I love Nia Simone. I listen to Nia Simone a lot, but I stumbled upon one of her albums mm. that was a live concert. Yeah. And realising her craft as a live entertainer. Mm. But also the concert itself is amazing because it was like two nights after Martin Luther King was shot. So Fuck. the community is there grieving and she kind of leads them as a priestess through a grieving and process. sermonizes. Uh, and it's fucking amazing. So, and as a jazz musician, because her training was in classical music, but then she had to be channeled into jazz yeah. because you couldn't be an African-American classical pianist. Um, it... Yeah, but understanding jazz as an improvisatory, necessarily yeah. present art form. I think yeah, I feel it. like it's if you saw it live, I feel like something would click in. You've got to be in the bar. Yeah. you've got to be two drinks in, and you got to be watching and just watch, being oh like, my "Oh my god, god, these people are amazing." On the journey, because yeah. that was the thing I loved about watching. I went and saw the Queensland Symphony Orchestra years yes. ago, but watching that and just being like, "I'm not." a huge classical music fan, but watching these people at the peak of their craft... It's amazing. ...play 
perfectly yeah. together. There's something about that where you go like, people are incredible. Yeah. And luckily, everyone can go enjoy a live music event today in 2020. <laughs> and it's not an issue at all. 2020 has been such a good year for live music and good live year events. For it. Yeah. Well, mate, I've learned a lot. That's excellent research. Thanks. Jazz is really difficult to define, but it's got a it's got a history. And Miles Davis is fucking incredible, yeah. and he said some great quotes. I love I that shit. I quote's good. The quote's great. I think go listen to Kind of Blue and let us know what you think. And I'll if you do love jazz, please um tell us how much to we, <laughs> we fucked it. <laughs> Thanks for being my mate, Claire. Thanks for being my mate, Dave. listening to the show if you'd like to leave a rating and review on whatever service you're listening to this please on, do that would be great that'd be great tell, tell your friends mates. tell your mates that's right that's the name of the show i see what you did there where can people find you claire? people can find me on instagram at claire and pearl where can people find you dave people can find me at dave burton writer and if you have a suggestion or a question or would like to point out how much Claire got wrong. <laughs> or how much Dave got wrong. Then you can write us an email at mymatereckons at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you.